Hello and welcome back to the show. This week, I'm talking to my longtime friend and also business partner, Paul Otote. Through Paul's eyes, we get an intimate view of the intricate relationship between entrepreneurial ventures, being a creator, and also personal development. When Paul discusses some of his early experiences, you can see that as a clear thread of unwavering confidence and belief in his abilities, and that paints the picture of how critical these elements are in personal evolution. He also explains the importance of understanding yourself and introduces the concept that purpose isn't static, but evolves as you gain experience. In this episode, expect to learn the importance of genuine self-confidence that isn't based solely on external validation, strategies for confronting and overcoming personal fears and challenges, how personal growth is dynamic, evolving as you gain more life experiences, the significance of understanding human behaviour and building strong rapport for success in any area of life, the value of focusing on what you can control and adopting a mindful, present-orientated mindset for overall well-being and so much more. So, without further ado, let's get to the show. You're like a creator, teacher, entrepreneur. There's a lot of different parts to you, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> What kind of belongs to you more? Like, what would you own more so out of all those three? I think the holistic umbrella that kind of encompasses it all. Mm. It's just, I like to create. So like things in my head, I like to bring to reality. That's it. So with that being said, it's like if I have an idea for something or I learn something and I think it will benefit others, um, I figure out ways to bring it to reality. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you had an idea and you put it into practice, or brought it to life? Mm. Everything that I think is valuable, I've always done. I'm not, I'm unsure what the first thing is. Or oh, the most memorable one, if you think about it. All right. So when I was in school, this is not really an idea per se, yet, but it was something that I remember and. I don't think people might have understood the gravity of it at the time because it's just something that was a passing thing. So like when I was in school, I think I was in year eight, it was me and my best friend at the time. We went to, I think it was church and market. And we was infatuated a bit with technology mm. and I had the opportunity to buy a walkie-talkie, some old brick walkie-talkie. And I got it for five pound each. And then when I brought it to school the next day, a lot of people were just like curious about it because you can hear like police signals on it. You right, can hear- that's true. Yeah, it's just back then you can hear police signals. Yeah. Not police like on their cars and yeah, stuff yeah, and the radios because you can just basically attune it to different radio. That's the word. Mm. Anywho, I think with that being said, somebody said, can they buy my one? And I was like, yeah, no worries. I'll get it to you for £20. They bought it. And then like, literally a light bulb moment hit in my head. I was like, hmm. <laughs> right. Went back to the market anyway, I bought a few more and I just kept on doing that, kept on doing that. Until I remember one time as a group, a lot of us in our school went to the Isle of Man or was it Isle of Wight, one of the two as a group trip. And I just remember how maybe about 10 of us had walkie talkies, something like that. I just remember thinking, it's a bit magic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it became a thing in my school. For those who remember, I don't know who's watching this, you remember that time. I remember even one of the older guys was like, oh, hey, you're the walkie talkie guy. Mm. And he tried to get, like walkie talkie off me, but on a bully thing. He's like, oh, let me get that. I was like, yeah, yeah, you can have that. It was the first yellow one. Remember I had two? Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember what he looks like. He's a cool guy. Yeah. yeah, I ended up being cool and that, but yeah, that's, I think, one of my early memories that, you know, you can create things that add value to people, but also can financially mm. impact your pocket. So that was cool. Yeah, that was probably the first of many bus in school, right? It's probably the first thing that I remember because I was so young and it was a lot of money. If you think about it, from five pound, I think yeah. it was, if I remember correctly, it's either five pound for one or five pound for two. Yeah. And I was selling that for 20 quid. That's a lot. So like, the markup on that is a bit much, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was kind of that big as a kid anyway. So it was, it was more money than what people were making at that age, yeah. you know what I mean? And I've had other instances of stuff like that through my school years, but it's the bigger ones that I remember. The smaller stuff, less so, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So whilst you were doing that, was it always on your mind to like add value to people's lives, but also create businesses? I think maybe the business side of it was a bit accidental. 
it was like the value to others and the value to myself. Where do you think that came from? I think it's hard to understand where it came from because how my mind thinks is how I've always thought. It just maybe was less complicated when I was younger. Mm. But it's, I just have this, I've always had a feeling that anything I want, I can do. Yeah, I can do what I need is a bit of time to learn how to do it. But I'm always confident to know that I can do whatever. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, if I feel like I want to do something, I know that I can figure it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe like a lack of fear and uh, the position or the feeling that you can bounce back from any risk. Mm. And I, I can't remember not thinking that way. Yeah. So like, I'm telling you stuff I remember. I can tell you stuff that's failed. Like me and my boy are trying to sell trainers. Like early, this is before trainers were a thing, like year eight, year nine, going to Wembley Market, getting certain trainers and trying to flip those. Um, I had an eBay shop since I was in like year nine or year 10. Going back to year 2005, I think I launched my eBay shop. Bro. And I pretty much sold everything you can imagine on there from Aqua watches. Remember anybody who knows about Aqua yeah. watches? When we started selling cars, so like my first car flip was when I was 16. Um, that was a mad story in itself, but we might get onto. But trying to do that through eBay, the initial sale, obviously, to end up being an auto trader. But just the feeling that you can just do stuff, it's, if it fails, it's part of your memory, right? You just mm -hmm. kind of laugh about it. And a lot of the L's that I've taken over the years has been, if we didn't laugh, we would have shed deep tears, <laughs> basically, yeah. so. But I love yeah. that because um, you speak about confidence and like to be a teenager, going from selling items for like five, 10 pounds to selling cars, that's a big jump. Mm. And so you must have had some type of confidence in you like throughout that time, right? Is it confidence, the word, or is it ability to know that you can build the confidence. Like, you can figure it out as you go. Mm. So, like, for example, with the car situation, right, it was me and my boy, Hilal, like, my best, my best bud. Um, one of his older guys had an Astra. Remember the... You, don't, you didn't make me when I had this car, but I ended up buying the same car again as my first personal car. It was a called an Astra Berton. It's like a cute Astra. Mm. What so At this point, it was, his one was an 04 or oh. 54. No, his was a 52. Okay, I know. Along the lines. This is not my personal car. Anywho, mm. so with this car, this guy crashed it, but he crashed it into the pole, front and back. At this point, he took it to the mechanic, and the mechanic was like, yo, there's nothing we can do with this car, right? It's a dead horse. And then my boy calls me, he's like, look, um, his friend has crashed his car. This might be an opportunity for us, do you want to buy it? Mm. So, car long story short, we bought it for £250. Yeah? Yeah. Bear in mind, this car is probably worth brand, not brand new, but fixed around 4K. Wow. Yeah, but the car was, if I show you pictures, but the car was. <laughs> Go on. We had three mechanics come to look at it, and two of them just said, yeah, forget about it, break it down and sell the parts. Mm -hmm. Then one guy was like, yeah, yeah, I'll fix it. Do you know what I mean? And then to actually make the money, because we didn't have the money to fix it, I remember doing crazy stuff. Like, I was working in Wembley Stadium. And I was use, I was 15, so I was using my brother's NI number to work. I told you I was always bigger for my age. Um, work, just raising the money, raising the money to actually fix it. And with cars, anyone who sold cars, every time there's a new problem, you know what I mean? Yeah. Call on social, yeah, we sold a car. Um, I think I'm, I personally made like 1,500 profit or something like that, or 1,400 profit. That's a lot of money at 15. But it was a lot. Of, I have the picture of me on the bus. <laughs> it's a separate story, but I remember like being so gassed on a bus, I was talking to some someone on the bus or trying to talk to someone on the bus and I kind of like whipped it out on some, on some G thing, you know what I mean? And then as I whipped it out now, she's like, wow, number exchange, whatnot. And then after she blocked me, she was like, oh, she's, she texts me, she's like, oh, I can't talk to guys like you. <laughs> I'm just like, mate, this is completely legit. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but the perception of it, because yeah. obviously young age and cash, but yeah, that's kind of an example of different things that I guess to some extent it builds your confidence mm -hmm. so that anybody who knew me from back then that's kind of how my mind was was like I had business plans and I've had designs for things that I didn't end up doing but even the whole posting it to yourself to try and copyright yeah. it doing all that do you know what I mean just to yeah I don't know I've had a weird perception of life since young and the only thing that through introspection I can think kind of aided that was when I was younger, I lived in Nigeria for a bit. 
right? I think from the age of like seven to 11, give or take. Nigeria is an interesting place, especially if you were born here. And like how I was when I was younger, I spoke less. Remember how I was at uni, right? Yeah. I wasn't much of a speaker. I was very observant. Um, not because I'm shy, just didn't speak as much. And I've always sort of been like that. Anywho, one of my mates, like my good, good friend, when I was like seven, like I still have a scar of us, like we're playing out together and I kind of hit a nail. He drowned in a well. Right? Well, and died. Yeah, um, RIP. It's not a sad, it's a sad story, of course, but the reason I bring it up is that's my first insight or my first look to the fact that that's definite. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think obviously that takes you in two directions, but for me, it's it kind of took me in a direction like, you know, like what have you kind of got to lose? Yeah. You know, it's not something I thought about immediately, but it probably planted that seed in me, if that mm. makes sense. Because you have to kind of look back sometimes to understand how you got to think how you think or th uh, how you thought in a sense. And I think that's one of the aspects. So perhaps it's that, it's like, what have you really got to lose? Everything is so like fickle to some extent. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. It's like, um, death is one of those subjects that I haven't, I don't know, like I used to shy away from it sometimes because even little things like the, the thought of eternity, I remember being 14 and thinking about eternity, used to scare the hell out of me yeah. because it's like, you go to school, you come home, but eternity is like, forever and ever and ever forever, <laughs> forever ever ever yeah. um and like the fact of death being so final mm. but what you're saying is it rings true in the sense that like you've got one life you've got to live it to the best of your ability yeah. and live it for yourself rather than what other people advise you to do but sometimes it can be, it can be quite difficult mm. um when i think of like us in uni so we had our business doing events and i always laugh when i look back at that time because I was doing that business and I was doing it in a sense of get to get a better grad, grad job, which mm. in hindsight doesn't make any sense. Really mm. and truly, if you're doing a business at uni, the aim should be to continue doing business straight away. Mm. But I guess for you, it was a little bit different because mm. you had a grad job offer and you was like, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So was that one life mentality kind of influencing that? I think it was a very difficult decision. So it, it wasn't yeah. that it was as clear cut right, as to like which direction to go down. But I, it is a case that everything before that, that whole one life thing. And also just being about more than myself, I thought about it as like, look, if I go down X route, anything I do benefits me. But if I go down this other route, which is more like creating, it potentially will benefit others. And I'll get, based on how we grew up, you form, what you think are very close bonds because of the lengths you're willing to go for for one another. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, the whole mindset and thought of like, what can I do that makes that impacts people more than me mm -hmm. is what made the decision easier. But I'm like, I'm I'm an optimistic realist. I don't I wouldn't go into something without understanding the real nature of it. Yeah. So I knew I had a lot of difficult conversations with myself before I turned down the placement, like. I think we spoke about it, but stuff like, you know, over the course of the next 10 years, which is what I believe it takes for you to actually make an impact. You know, all your friends at this point would have had promotions from grad scheme. I don't know, you're getting to mid, you're getting to senior, and it, it, your business cannot do anything for 10 years. And then maybe if you're lucky in 11th year, it takes off. Yeah. But there's a mental side of that progress, especially, you know, subconsciously you always Com people are comparing different levels of progress in life compared to your age. Yeah. And it's not for the faint hearted. Yeah. So being aware of what that ending could look like, I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's just take that risk. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? What was that like? Cause um, yeah, I can only imagine what that, cause obviously I went the grad scheme route mm. and we're still dibbling and dabbling in like businesses here and there, but I still had the safety net of saying, okay, I've still got, a job, but I've still mm. got ways to make money or go up the career ladder. Like I haven't really chosen a path as it were. Mm. But then for you, when you took the leap, um, because you had a, you had an idea already, right? That you were kind of. What was it? Scope? I had a direction. What was the direction? Just sign health and wellness related. Yeah. You know, what was it? Um, so talk me through like how the process went for you in the sense of like, 
narrowing down on that type of idea, how you worked on it, like where it was going to kind of thing? And even what motivated you to do that business in the first place? I think it was less so about like narrowing the idea because I didn't really narrow the idea. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll give you an example. When I was working with StarTech, right, people will come to me with an idea, here's what they want to do, can you help me develop it? And sometimes your idea is terrible, is what I want to say to them. (laughs) You you shouldn't do this. Like six people before you have told me the exact same thing. But what you realize is that it isn't the initial idea that takes you to where you want to get to. Sometimes starting that idea leads you to have conversation with certain people where you understand there's other ideas or there's other ways to execute. So I guess to, to, to come back to your point, it wasn't that I narrowed, it was the fact that I just got started mm. and I, you just figure out as you go along, um, you make the mistakes in the book and those mistakes allow you to see things differently and iterate, essentially. Yeah. Ken, what kind of mistakes are you talking about? Mistakes, stuff like bad hires. Mm-hmm. So like when you're in the game of like trying to build it's it's lonely, yeah. right? So sometimes when people seem like they're interested in your helping your dream by joining your company, the first person that says yes, you're like, shh, yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean that first person is the right person to help you build it. Mm-hmm. So I've had like tech people that have came on board who have ultimately wasted my time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's not their fault, it's my fault for not seeing the signs from the beginning but you're blinded by the fact that your dream feels realer yeah because someone else is trying to get on board it yeah so yeah there's that that's one of the mistakes and mistakes like i don't know if you read like the lean startup you know about you know validating your ideas Mm -hmm. sometimes you want to build all singing or dancing solutions but you know that's not potentially what leads to your growth it's about honing in and validating each of your assumptions and then um adding money to it. Mm-hmm. What people do otherwise is build everything and it's very expensive to build everything. Like the first thing I tried to launch, I think I lost like, like 15K on website development and didn't even actually launch. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, that that feeling of when the idea is quite precious. Yeah. And um, you don't want anything to disrupt it. Because even with the higher stuff, like when I've hired people in the past, that feeling of, um, in fact, when we've done it for her, even mm-hmm. it's like that feeling of, um, you're good, I don't want to lose you. So, yeah, you're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Mm-hmm. And the trade off of like time of like, okay, do I need to go out through this whole process trying to find someone, or do I take a gamble on this person? Maybe they will do it. Yeah. Um, it's hard, and I think especially in tech, it's even worse um, because there's all these cowboys that will promise you the world, yeah. that will build you stuff, and then. Like I hear stories of when you give someone a spec, yeah, they'll build it, and you come back to them and say, "Where's the X to close the screen?" They say, "Oh, you didn't, you didn't tell me to do that," and yeah. that kind of um, they're taking advantage of you essentially. Yeah, they're not, they're not idiots. Everyone knows what they're doing. I used to call them leeches. Yeah, that leeches is basically someone who latches onto you. Obviously, he's trying to suck your blood, mm-hmm. but you're basically preying on on people's dreams in a sense. Like I've had it all in a sense. I've had people say, hey, I'll help you. (laughs) I'll help you do pitches. Like I'll get you pitch ready. Yeah. So obviously when you're raising investment, but that in itself isn't really what you need because you can be the worst pitcher and have the best idea and know how to deliver it and you're fine. Yeah. But oh, do you want five bills for you to hear me speak? (laughs) Yeah. What's your credentials? I've had that. But it's understandable because Everyone's got E in it. <laughs> true. It's true. It's you know true. What I mean? yeah. Yeah. And they're looking back because the idea at the time um, was called Dongu. Never do not. Was it? Do not give up. Yeah. Um, and then what was the idea? What was the platform again? So it was a a platform that connected people or busy individuals with coaches and personal trainers through a tech solution, which essentially is like WhatsApp today. Not WhatsApp. It's basically like FaceTime today. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my fitness part today, but my fitness power in terms of like the vid- the food side, the people who see what you post as coaches, so it's basically reinventing or re or changing what the personal trainer or coach model is from per hour to per week. So you can put one hour in 
as a coach, make your 50 quid or whatnot, but your client will get four hours or X amount, multiples, more benefits than you put in because they have something to guide them each day. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Ahead of its time, man. Because there's so many of those platforms now that exist where... Yeah, somebody started yeah. after me. They sold to, what's it called? What did they sell to? I can't remember, but they made some good money. It's not, obviously ideas are a dime a dozen. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's not the idea, it's the execution mm-hmm. that, that actually makes it. Somebody somewhere thought to themselves, I'm going to cut down trees and make toilet paper. <laughs> they, they did a right for themselves, do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And obviously now it's normal, but at the time, people have to think this person's crazy. Just yeah. go wash like normal people, do you know what I mean? <laughs> or use a leaf. Here we are. Got to innovate somehow. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it's about. You are like, if I think of um, my friendship group, like you're the one that I would say is like innovator because like I said, you can come up with the ideas that not everyone is thinking of at the time. And so when you're building this business and you're getting like, I don't say knockbacks, but it's like you're finding your challenges. Did you still have that innovative mindset and, and apply it in different areas as well? So were you still being creative? Were you still like, like what were you doing to keep yeah, yourself going? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. Different campaigns that we've done, different ways that, <laughs> i tell you an example. When we somewhat pivoted to start tackling, not tackling, to start targeting companies, how we used to get leads, right, in itself was, I, I, looking back, I don't even know who I was. So here's their idea, here's the idea. We had, our logo was like orange and green, right? And I was like, Emails don't work because we were doing emails. We automated our email send outs. Um, we co- done a lot of calling, cold calling to actually close deals, right? But <laughs> this was the most effective, right? I would go to the market, the main market in a old New Street, old something. Old Convent Street. It's a whole street. It's a wholesale oh, market. Um, we, we've been to it before. New Spitfires. Yeah, New Spitfires. I go to that market, I get tangerines and I get green apples. And I get these baskets, which at that point I think were four, four pound. Right? I literally fill it up with oranges. I'd fill it up with um, tangerines. And I'll write a note. And I'll like, hey, um, I like your company. I run X, Y, and Z. We want to work with you. Bloody, 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 blah. Put it in the thing. This how I got their names and stuff is I used to have like a scraper who'd scrape like all the HR directors and stuff for the target companies that I want to target. And then in central London, I'll just go. I literally, with baskets, I'll go to the office, I'll knock on the door, whoever, speak to the receptionist, i say, I've got a meeting with X, Y, and Z. Most of the time I say like 8%, yeah, I'll just go straight <laughs> up and I'm in the lift, my heart's going boom, boom, boom. Like proper nervous, right? Cause she don't know where she is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, in hindsight, like when you're younger, you look younger than you think you do. Yeah. So they must have think, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, they would come out. I'll give them my little 30 second spill, give them the basket and like 100% reply rate. Not a success, but they'll, they'll probably message me back and say, hey, um, thank you so much for um, the fruits, bloody, bloody, blah. It's not the right time. Maybe contact me in six months. But generally speaking, the success rate in terms of who we onboarded was insane mm-hmm. in terms of return on investment because that might have cost me like four quid. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're signing up companies, you're, like for example, we did, we just come in a company, I think they're called TV something. One email they sent out that was like 250 new signups. And I think our sign up rate to conversion, to actual premium conversion was pretty high. This was not small, it just, Basically, that sort of ways of innovating is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But how, how, where the company ended up going was because we wanted to basically integrate with wearable tech, we started building something that just took too long to build. And I think by the end of it, the money was gone. Screw. Yeah. Yeah. How did that feel? On to the next, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember having regrets like that. It's just like, how my mind works is where I am now is where I am. Yeah. If you know, like you can't look too much in the past, you can learn from it. Where I am now is where I am. So you just deal with whatever cards are in front of you. So becoming a creator on YouTube, what were you like um, focused on to begin with? I just like teaching and just like educating. I started on doing gym videos and then started talking a lot about health. But I think health has just always been a passion since I discovered it, right? Mm. So 
back when 011 used to have like a faceless Twitter account called the Dungle Book, just sharing different tips and health goal, health information to people. And on YouTube, basically similar thing. So like recording some of the events that we used to do, just different tips really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then vlogs, I really tried a lot of different kind of contents. I've deleted most of the videos now, but I've, I, the videos I deleted were about 150. I didn't delete them, I hid them. Why'd you hide them? So if you want to grow on the, in a social sphere, in my personal opinion, variety is not always the way forward. Mm -hmm. So like, especially in your early days, it's not about doing a vlog on a Monday, doing a, doing a sit down, talking to the camera on a Tuesday. And the reason why people do that is because they look at the big people and that's what they do. Mm -hmm. But for you to understand growth, you have to look at what people did when they were growing. And it's most likely that they were doing very similar kinds of content just recycled differently. It was less mm -hmm. about being creative, more about being predictable. Mm -hmm. You might see shocking titles, but the format, whether they'll sit into the camera, people that vlogged, vlogged. Yeah. People that, and those channels tend to grow the most because if you think about YouTube, it's basically a place to replace TV. Yeah. And on TV, when you watch your news, a similar format, same time each week, whatever, mm -hmm. similar format. When you watch different EastEnders, you same kind of thing. know what to expect, same format. So. The reason I hid it is because I basically niched down into herbs, yeah. right? Because I've always been passionate about herbs since, as you know, since uni. So once I did that, if you if you want people to come to your channel, how it works, they'll come to your channel, see a video. No, they'll see a video, then from the video, go to your channel. As they're scrolling through your channel, if it's a lot of varied content, sometimes it might be less likely to subscribe. So yeah. once I niched down, I think I went from like 10,000 to like 40 in a very short space of time and it took me forever to get to 10. Wow, mm. wow. Yeah, I never thought of free that. Free keys, free keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that niche down thing, especially because you're 100% right. When I see these um, like new YouTubers, they have so much variety and they think even influencers as well, like there's so many different aspects to them. I feel mm. like because of accessibility, people feel, well, influencers or creators might feel that they need to show all sides of themselves, but really it can just be one part in one format. People, you need to grow with people, you know? Yeah. Like, you can, let me backtrack on that slightly. How you understand your niche mm -hmm. is by understanding which video grew the fastest. Mm -hmm. So let's say, initially, you're meant to go a bit varied, right? Do your vlog, do your this, do your that, right? And then one of your videos might hit a thousand views in a day, whereas everything else hit a thousand views in four days. You found your niche. Simple as that. From that video, hammer down. One thing we try to do is like, it's, it's demand, supply and demand. So you supply content and hope that people demand it. Whereas I think the right way to do it is demand and supply, yeah. right? What do people actually want? So that is a signal that people want that kind of content. So just hammer down on that content until it stops working and then go back to the drawing board doing the same thing. Mm. That's basically it. If I was passionate about YouTube now, I would follow that exact same formula and I'll just keep going. Yeah, cause what, what was your thing that took off the quickest then? I just had a herb video that did well. Which one was it? That's I, can't, I can't remember where, I think it was, I was sitting in my car, I think, and I was talking about herbs for fitness or something. Yeah, me did numbers. But I didn't listen to my own advice cause I had to figure this out later. So yeah. I was still trying to do, I think I was in Thailand at that point. I did a few vlog videos, the videos did not bang. Then in Thailand, I did one video on, I think, testosterone, herbs for testosterone or something like that. Took off again, the same. Cool, went back, hit the other Thailand video. <laughs> I was like, right, cool, here's what we're doing now. Do you know what I mean? And then I think at that time, I was already writing my herb book anyway. So mm -hmm. it kind of made sense that if I've got a product, I'm gonna have content related to that product. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a step back. Cause you said just now you started writing your hair book, mm. but by that point you've already written what four books already? Three, no four. Yeah, you right. Yeah. But it wasn't. So how it worked was, obviously when I started YouTube, the second time I was talking a lot about plant based wellness because okay. obviously I, by this point I was probably like plant based for like five, four years, five years, give or take, and I had a, I had. How it used to work, I mean, backtrack, on Twitter when people used to ask me questions about different things, I used to send them like an article that I'd written. Yeah. So either I wrote it for them or I'd written it previously, right? Or somebody wants to know, oh, what, what recipes do you eat? Cause you're still like quite muscular. 
I was like, here's a recipe that I've written before. So I was like, hmm, had the idea. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put all of this into a book and just fill in the gaps, which was my, the, the vegan bodybuilding or plant-based bodybuilding guide um, that I put out initially. Mm-hmm. And I was selling that on like a website called Fiverr. And I was basically selling it through my website yeah. as well. So that was number one. So it was kind of intentional or unintentional, right? But number two, I was like, look, I want to market number one because in backtrack, number one did well. Like I was selling it for five ninety nine, and I sold a, a good amount, right? Number one did well, and I used to have like upsells, like plans and stuff. But it wasn't. I did it in Word, Microsoft Word. You know me, like start. If it does well, invest more. Mm. So I did it properly. I redesigned it. I wrote like four more chapters. I took professional pictures, blah, blah, blah. And then at this point, I'm learning Facebook ads because, you know, we've got to eat, right? Yeah. So what I did, I was like, what can I give away for people as like a lead magnet? So I was like, I'm going to write another book that people ask me about all the time called Nutrition. It was like a nutrition guide. How do you make sure you're not deficient? Blah, blah, blah. So I wrote that. And then from that, I think I got like 5,000 emails and I maybe less sales. So I started thinking, Hmm. people want this book more than the other one. (laughs) So obviously like I just improved on that. And then when I was obviously working with StartTech, I wrote a book for StartTech, which was a very small book that I don't think anybody read, but it's brilliant, Mm -hmm. which was meant to be a free lead magnet as well. And then number four was because I redid the others. So it's like additions as opposed to like, now it is five that actually, yeah. But at that point, it's because I redid some books and might have changed the name. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. You mentioned a lot about like lead magnets, um, like upsells. Yeah. And for me, like I had to learn all that stuff, like literally just when we started Herbie, like yeah. understanding how to sell online. Mm-hmm. How did you learn how to sell online? Because you probably would have had to start that from early, like 2013. Like where did you even start from? I can't remember. Yeah. Because now there's all these gurus that are selling yeah, stuff. Yeah, gurus. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, but it worked. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I went back, I would have probably had like a high ticket item for like 200 quid or something. Yeah, Because yeah. really and truly the books were like 15 pound, eight pound, it was still low ticket. But there was a lot less restrictions than people have now. So a lot of like the old school ads, Facebook millionaires and stuff were during this period. I remember I had this ad I've talked, I've spoken about, had about 5,000 likes. That's crazy. So. Just imagine the amount of engagement. Yeah. You know, that's until Facebook blocked my account. <laughs> Ops. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, no, I don't know why they blocked it. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Anywho, so all my pixels and... God. God broke my heart. It didn't actually break my heart, but you get the sentiment. But anywho, so how did I learn? It's probably just YouTube. And one of my personality traits is like anything I do, I just want to be good at. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm less passionate now, but at those points, I really would get engrossed in trying to understand the inner workings of, of it. Mm. And I don't know anybody I was doing as like I was doing it then. I was doing like a thousand pound a month, give or take. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot for the, the, the big Facebook dog, but back then it was a lot of lot. money, mm. in my opinion anyway, so. You mentioned a lot about passion. Where's your passion gone? I'm just less focused on pouring out. I'm also pouring in at the moment. Explain. So like most of the things I've done, as my track record has always had one theme behind it and that's kind of like helping people, pretty much everything I've done. It's like helping people and facilitating relationships in terms of community. Um, that's an outpouring, right? Because you're basically making money by helping people mm-hmm. in a sense. Where people who do that is the best way to live. I used to use the quote like make a change and make a change. One of the changes is money and one of the changes is changes in the world. And I think at this point in my life, I'm just a bit less passionate about change and helping people and stuff and mm. I'm more passionate about helping myself it's not it's a very different space than what I'm used to because mm. I've been how I've been all my life yeah but now nah, yeah less so so that's why I post less um yeah it's weird so yeah especially because you would write like literal articles like for example the cat's claw one about inflammation the amount of people ask me about information, I say, okay, read this article that you made it, and it's something which you've literally just done off the off, off your own back, yeah, kind just, of thing. Yeah. Was there a particular trigger point that kind of wanted you to be a bit more like focused on your own growth, as it were? Kind. Do you know what it is? Like, I know what my destiny is. I know where I'm getting, and I kind of know what I need to get there. And at certain points, you gotta make sac- certain sacrifices 
to enable you to get there. And by sacrifices, we live in a world where, you know, you have to somewhat play the game and the game is fueled by finances, yeah. right? So you, if you're not at a level or even surpassing where you are in your head, people might not even listen to you. If you get what I mean, the guy right now who looks a certain way is more likely to get people to buy into his message than the guy. Like in my opinion, Bill Gates or whoever these guys at twenty and at forty or whatever ages they are now are very similar. You know, in a sense that their mind is the same, some of the knowledge they have the same, is their passion is the same. But at one point, probably nobody was listening to Jobs when he was like, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, start a little uh, computer thing in my basement." But if you want to learn how to like grow certain things, that's the energy that you should be tapping into. How, what was he on at that point in time? But at that point, you're, more, you're less likely to be listened to because mm -hmm. you're more likely to be listened to when you are... When you made it. Yeah, when you made it. It's just how the game goes, right? So that doesn't probably answer your question, but it gives an inkling as to the depth or what I'm thinking. So it's like, got to this stage, as it were, in terms of giving out yeah, the energy. I'll give now it up. bring it back in. Yeah, let me just and then come back again yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah. I might see you guys after I hit a few. Ends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the destiny, yeah. Now, but also, I got to a point in the health space yeah. that I was like, I've given away everything I know. Like, obviously, there's continuous learning, but herbs and her herbs. I've got a herb guide. Mm. I've got tons of book. I've got courses. Like, I've literally got two courses on herbs. No, one course on herbs, but this course is amazing. Right, it gives if you're trying to be like a, a small herbalist, it gives you everything you require. And on top of that, I've got a nutrition guide. I've got everything basically in the world. I've got over a hundred videos. Now, every question anybody could ask me, it's like if you just googled my name the, and the question, it would pop up. So I, I kind of felt that I've given it all. I've done ten years, done my bird. You know, it's like it's time to move on. Until I realised, you know what, there's one more chapter. <laughs> and I was like, let me actually massage or like show that chapter to people. And then I'm out. Yeah. yeah. God yeah. willing. So when you look back at, say, the last 10 years yeah. and then back into that hard conversation that you had with yourself. Yeah. Was it the right decision? I think it helped me become who I am today. I wouldn't say it's the right decision. Maybe I would have done things differently. Mm. I probably would have spent more time with other people's money instead of like having hard lessons of my own yeah facts facts those lessons of your own <laughs> you learn strong but boy <laughs> i had to learn i remember like i had to borrow some money off my mate yeah luckily i've got good friends because i asked them for like 1500 i was like yo let me borrow 1500 mm. he's like yo paul i've got 10 bags just sitting there that you can hold if you want it's like woof. friends like that is probably why i'm a loner because most people won't give you 500 quid, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just sent me 10 grand and that, that helped with the next thing that I kind of got into. You mm. know? What's your perception on that though? Because not many people are happy to take money from friends. Not many friends are willing to give it. Mm. I remember when I was starting Herbie, so remember when we started Herbie, I had two cars, right? Mm -hmm. I had two cars, I was paying rent, like, at, not Herbie, sorry, when we were starting Magnus mm -hmm. at uni. I know if you remember, we were putting like 300 quid in mm. and I don't think I had that 300 quid at that point yeah, yeah, yeah. because... I can't remember what L I probably took the week before. So I'm calling a friend, I was like, yo, let me hold that. Cause it's, I've made all my mates eat at this point. Yeah. Like no one who I grew up with can't say they never made money from me. It's like, it's only for like, like we, we spend that. <laughs> you know I think, yeah. yeah, I don't think I got that money stuff. <laughs> I don't think I got, it's not that I did get the money. It's the promises like, yeah, that's calm, I got you. And then you don't hear back. So I, I use that to show the different like spectrums of people. Mm. Whereas someone else, I said, yo, 15 honor. And they were like, yeah, I got 10K for you. Because mm, he probably sees more value in you than just like, though like he believes in you to make even more from that 10K. So it must be that. I don't know. It's just, yeah. sometimes there's not always a, a, a clear cut reason behind it. You just know people are more genuine than I guess other people perhaps, I guess. Yeah, no, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. So um, what are some of the current topics that you're quite interested in at the moment? As my personality type, I like to read a lot, right? I call it like modern day scholar. I read less now, but I was passionate about learning. Mm. So at the same time, I discovered like herbalism, I discovered like plant-based and all these things. This is before it became, like when I was screaming out plant-based, I didn't call it plant-based, I called it Dongotarian because I didn't know what plant-based was. Yeah. So you're going back to O11, you know, 
I remember I used to say Dungaterian. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, about yeah. all that. Do you know what I mean? Dungaterian. So the point I'm saying is, at this point, I wasn't just reading about health and herbs and stuff like that. You start learning about the body. You start mm -hmm. learning about the inner workings of the body, right? And one part of the body that I guess is less explored, but because I'm passionate about history, I was reading about this part of it, which is stuff to do with like intimacy and stuff like that. So just passionate about somewhat learning the intricacies of that because I guess a few things. One thing, as I said before, anything I do, I want to be good at. And two, I'm just naturally a curious person. So that that was like, when I say Dungu book, which is what the, my page is called, the book aspect is basically showcasing the different parts of health. Mm -hmm. And I think human connection, intimacy and stuff like that is a part of it. So over the course of my YouTube journey, I've made a lot of videos on like, I don't know, issues of men, especially mm -hmm. in performance anxiety and stuff like that. And I think the last chapter of Dungu book as a collective is just sharing more and diving a bit deeper into that yeah. before I sign up. Yeah, fair. I don't think that's the final chapter though. I'm done. I don't think so. Let's see, let's see. Let's see, I mean, I told myself I'll come back as a flex account. Just a, a flex account? Yeah. What's that? Oh, stun on these, stun <laughs> on these. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding, I'm yeah. kidding. So when, when you're doing the research, like in terms of intimacy or just general like body positiveness, um, yeah. what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned? I don't think it's surprising that I've learned. I think the surprising part of it is how much people don't know. Mm. I think that's like when I have conversations with people and I'm just like, because for me, Google's free. Like, I don't understand how people aren't using it. Yeah. You know, like I, I've had people who have like illnesses that come up, Paul, um, I've got this issue. And I'll be like, oh, um, why? Or how did you get it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the point is, obviously not with all diseases, but there's certain things that if you Google it, you understand how you got to the predicament you're in. I think maybe Google is probably a more risky thing now, but I guess you can go to sources, you can go, mm -hmm. you can dive deep into different studies that help you understand certain things. But anyway, so the surprising parts of things is that is the amount of things people do not know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes some stuff that I say that sound very basic to other people sound mind blowing to others. Yeah. You know? Um, like what? So, for example, like the average time of intimacy being like, for most people, like under 10 minutes. Mm. For some people, that's outstanding. It's like, what, 10 minutes? For other people, um, that's just a normal life. You know, yeah. like one in, I can't the exact step, we're talking about erectile issues or, or you're talking about premature, these issues for one are getting younger, as in people are going through these issues younger, infertility is going up. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, people don't understand the factors that contribute to this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but- It kind of does. It's, cra like, it's crazy outside. Yeah, but it's funny though, because um, it still sounds like you're giving value though, like in those, because those are issues that are, like you said, that are increasing on the rise. So it's mm -hmm. like, there's also a mission there as well, right? Yeah, it's just, I think for me, like how I've seen myself on social media, and it took me a while to get here, mm -hmm. right? Because it was like a battle initially, because my real life has, I think my real life is amazing, right? But my social media life is one dimensional, where people won't understand how lit my real life is based on my social media life, yeah. right? And I used to think of how that potentially impacts my perception, mm -hmm. but, when I basically overcame that and realized, who cares? I didn't mind being somewhat like the full guy to some extent. Like I don't mind being a person to start the conversation mm. because no matter what happens on socials, like my, my life is, is, is set, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So by that I mean, like when I first started, I could talk, start talking about plant-based stuff. I say plant-based now, but at the time I was just talking about no meat. Yeah. As a black guy who's 21, who, who speaks how I speak, chain, I think I had my gold teeth at that point. It was just like, side eye, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But now it's huge in a sense, because I wouldn't say I started it, but it became more okay to have certain conversations after I did, in my personal opinion, this is probably how I sealed the world, yeah. right? And on top of that, like now that I'm talking about like, the intimacy stuff, 
I think it makes it more okay because mm. it's, I've seen a lot of things after the fact that I've started, because obviously in my TikTok and stuff, the numbers, I've seen a lot of people speaking more about certain subjects since I have started speaking about it. And the reason I say that is, it kind of makes it okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, someone has to, they might not always get the praise for it, but the person who started people thinking, you know, for example, when you get an idea, where do ideas come from? It's hard to always say where ideas come from, yeah. but sometimes ideas literally come from the fact that you've seen that idea before, yeah. you just forgot. Yeah. So like when people start speaking about things or, or, or having ideas to have speak about certain subjects, you know, that actual seed that was planted, you know, when it comes to this stuff, I think, you know, I was definitely mm. started it, something starting it from a young standpoint, certain issues, but now it's everywhere. Mm. And as you know, I've sent you a few videos that are yeah, like yeah. word for word replications. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the game, right? Yeah. You know, it's the game. Um, but how, how do you overcome that, right? Because um, like overcome the caring about what other people might think, especially if you're the, you're the first person in a particular area, which can seem a little bit embarrassing if you aren't sure of yourself. Like, mm. cause you said, what, how do you overcome that and say, do you know what, forget it, I'm gonna do it. I think there's a few different answers, right? To that, right? And there's a few different, I guess different answers is what is what helps, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that everybody has self-confidence that's internal. Sometimes our self-confidence comes from like what we drive or how we dress or, you know, or people that we're around, which makes us less likely to act because we could change our perception and thus our confidence, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think if people understand where your confidence come from, they find it easier to control you. I see. You know, does that yeah. make sense? If there's a quote, if you change what you can, if you change what controls you, um, you can change what you can control. Because if I know your confidence comes from the fact that, oh no, you dress well or whatnot, Every time I see you, I'll be like, yo, you're looking good, bro. You know, hey, we got rapport now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. You feel like you know me and stuff like that. Anywho, I think like most of these stuff can, should come from within and that gives you the confidence to act on stuff irrespective of what people think. And that's how you become a little bit of a change maker. Um, some people are really like, are, are ple not pleasers, but you're influenced by, by being liked and stuff. And, as I'd say, I 90% don't care. 90%? Yeah, because I'm still human. There's a part of me that does, right? Even on, a, even on a subconscious level, right? And obviously, I'm intellectual poor with you here today, mm -hmm. but tomorrow I could be, I don't know, go to poor who probably cares more. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you always been like that then? What do you mean? 90% don't care. Um, yeah, to some extent. Maybe waivers, I think it just improved. I think everybody gets better over years. Mm. So I wouldn't say like, I've always been like that. I think I've mostly been like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I just know, I just, everything's fickle, like I said, you know what I mean? Friendship change and I've, I think people have, there's nothing that's happened to me from people that I know that I didn't think would happen. I don't know, I've told you, I've been quiet. I've just been around people all my life, mm. right? And I've been quiet, I've always observed. so you kind of sometimes meet people and know how this is gonna end. That's, yeah, but don't you think that's quite a negative way to look at things? Doesn't mean it's gonna end negatively. I like to be surprised all the time. So basically like, the point I'm trying to say is, wait, remind me the original question, I'll form the conclusion. So like, um, have you always been that way in terms of like 90%? not caring about how people view you or think of you. And you said it comes in different ways. Okay, okay. And then um, my next question would have been like, how do you, do you improve from say, going from like 70% to 90%? Just the internal stuff. I think the best thing for self-confidence is to spend a lot of time within, get to know yourself and be less led by the external. Mm -hmm. And then when you understand what your baseline is, then you can start doing external things to help the internal. Cause it's all about like your self-image. So how do you improve your self-image irrespective of what the external factors are? Mm. Like questions you ask yourself, like, okay, you're good looking and that's where your confidence come from. But people have accidents every day. I knew a guy who had a car crash, had a long scar here. Mm. That some people end up getting depressed from that. 
do you know what I'm saying? So like, what do you do? How could you basically build what you build irrespective of that? Well, some people have disfigurements and they're the most happy, jolly people, most confident people. Mm. It's just like, uh, the mind is an interesting thing and we spend, we should spend a lot more time in the mind and that helps us understand who we are. Yeah. And once you understand who we are, no one can really take that from you. You know what I mean? How did Mandela do 27 years in prison and just still become who he is? It's just, you can't take certain things from certain people because it's embedded in you. Because you, what you know to be true is what you know to be true. And what I know to be true is that I'm like the latest in the city. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's something like that, like with that Mandela example. Yeah. Is he born that way or can someone become reflective in that way? So that person would say a disfigured face. Yeah. They've been through things which may have hardened them a little bit more. Mm. Um, like, I don't know. I guess my question is like, how, like, is there a way to get yourself more hard? Like, how do you spend more time within? Like, what does that look like? What does it look like? There's a few different things, right? It's, I guess the main thing is how you react to situations. Mm -hmm. So you're spending more time within, not just by being by yourself, or being in situations that make you uncomfortable and understanding why that made you uncomfortable. So you're, you're questioning yourself with situations that you're in. So I think that for me, how my mind has sort of worked over the years is that anything that makes my heart beat fast and makes me nervous is what I have to do. Mm. So like I've been in positions where I've hated it. So for example, there was one time I was in a room, there was like 350 people in there plus, and the guy at the front was like, he was a, a news article person. He writes, what's, what's they called? Journalist. Journalist, yeah. You know what I mean? At that point, you know, journalism is currency. And you get in the metro, your business is getting scrapped. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, oh, if anybody wants to pitch their idea, just stand up, put your hand up and stand up. My heart was getting crazy. Do, 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 do. Straight away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna put your hand up, figure it out later. Obviously, set a pitch. I can't remember it being good or not. We exchanged numbers. So I don't think anything came from it, but it's, each time you do that, it's like a muscle. Like right now, like I can get, I can feel, I can feel the anticipation of wanting to be the best I can be, but I don't feel nerves like that. Mm -hmm. that anything enough to stop me from doing anything. Like I can speak, and as far as the people here today, I would speak, but I'm not naturally like that. Mm. It, it's those steps. Like I had a video recently where I was like, look, confidence is, is I guess feeling the fear and doing it anyway, and then understanding that it's never that deep. Yeah. Most of the time we think about stuff in our head and I don't know if it's movies or whatnot, we always think about the worst case. And I'm just like, it's never as bad as in your head. Even one time I, I did a, a pitch um, and it was like, there was a lot of people there. It was a terrible pitch. Fumbled the bag completely. And I was like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't the best either. But uh, that day I was like, look, I'm going to do 10 pitches. I'm going to do 10 speaking engagements after. As a, as a mental thing. It's like, I told you I want to be the best, anything I want to do. So that's how you build confidence. You put yourself outside your comfort zone, understand how you felt, what you felt. Detach, detach what your subconscious mind is telling you or your fear-based mind, which is the fact that this could happen, that can happen, this could happen. Then you do it anyway, and then you can quieten that voice by knowing that the reality didn't match what that voice told you. Mm -hmm. That voice was there not to stop you, but to allow you or tell you to prepare more. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. That's I, an excellent I, scholar. I, I, <laughs> scholar I, that should be that should be the the, <laughs> the trailer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Smoky. Okay, no, I like that. I like that. Um the thing I like most about it is that it's very action based. Yeah, it's like because everyone everyone has those things that you're scared of, and I'm pretty sure you can find out those things that you don't want to do. You can find the opportunities to kind of overtake them as well. Yeah, you just have to do it, man. Yeah. I think everything I'm saying now, like I'm not coming to sound wishy washy. Like everything I'm saying, I live. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, like, no, no, you know no. what I mean. And it's not the case that it's worked. Like I'm some crazy, crazy guy, but mm -hmm. I, I, I've done the impossible so many times. Like even to look back, I've just like consistently done the impossible, and I, I have to kind of think, how you know? Yeah. It is some of these principles, right? I think my final ever book will be a book like I don't know if anyone's read the book called Ray Dalio's Principles. principles yeah. yeah, I'll write something like that, just like my dying wish to the world. I say, yo, 
here's, here's what you can do to up your game differently. Tell me some more principles of yours then. <laughs> Wisdom. Um, I think the best thing we can do is just like study people. I think people, like you can't get where you want to get in life without people. No, nothing works in isolation. And people are less complicated than we think they are because especially in like group settings, there's been so many studies on how people think and it's, it's good to be able to understand people to whether it's like charisma, knowing how to talk to people, knowing how to build rapport. I think that's a major factor in life and that comes from an element of confidence. So lack of confidence, in my opinion, is always wanting, one of the ways it manifests sometimes is wanting to speak more. Mm. So like people speak about airy fairy stuff. Like when I was younger and I had a particular perception with some people, they would meet me and tell me all the cruddy stuff they'd get up to. Yeah, man, did this, I did that. It's like, for one, I don't care. Two, I could be a fed. <laughs> but, and also, I know that's a sign of insecurity, mm. right? Whereas secure people want to speak less and listen more because it's not about them, it's about you. That makes sense? Yep. Um, yeah, there's a point in, in all of that, which means, I mean, just learn to be with people, come out of your own head. It's not about you. Probably no one's going to remember speaking to you, speak to people, learn about their stories, ask questions and stop being so self-centered, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why I don't do podcasts. Like, I've, done, <laughs> I've done a few, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, I don't, yeah, the whole speaking stuff, yeah. I mean, you're a good speaker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So then, because on that observing people, um, I remember that book you mentioned. Um, what's everybody? What everybody is saying? Yeah. Um, I need to read that. I've only I tried to do the audio book, but it just didn't gravitate towards me. I just mm. I think I need a physical book. But then maybe that's just me giving an excuse to myself. Excuses. Yeah. What's some of the top? What's what's something you read in that book that's actually helped you? Uh, I don't think I learned anything particularly new in that book because mm -hmm. something I was passionate about anyway, but it's like a reminder. And I think one thing, because as a time I was passionate about just spotting people lying. Yeah. And I think one of the things it tells you is that you can't actually spot people lying. Oh, so? Yeah, you can't. You can just know it's a change of behavior that might mean somebody's lying, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean. Like there's certain things people do, like, right, even in the office environment, like somebody could sit in like how you're sitting then you say something about a piece of work that they've done yeah. and it automatically close up. Yeah. What does that mean? Slightly defensive, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or people are saying something that's a bit, <laughs> you know, they're uncomfortable with and they suddenly start doing this and, you know what I mean? People are saying yes with their head, their mouth and saying no with their faces. But people don't know this stuff unless you don't pay, unless you pay attention. True. And yeah, for some reason, maybe I tend to pay attention more and I think it's just because I spent most of my life just being a bit quieter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair. Yeah. And um, I've got a question about purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a general sense of what your purpose is? Purpose is? I have a general sense of where I'll likely end up. Can you share it? Nah. No, I'm good. Just know it's, it's going to be it's gonna be proper. But yeah. where I'll likely end up, yeah, and purpose... If maybe a year or two ago, I would have said something elaborate. Um, I think purpose somewhat changes. It's like a vision, right? It's mm -hmm. like maybe 15 year vision. And as you evolve, that evolves with you. Mm -hmm. So you might have a new purpose based on everything you know up until this point. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of feel I do have a purpose. I do feel like my mark will be something interesting, mm -hmm. which is, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. How do you get closer towards it? Is it just by doing? I think it goes back to that heart pumping element, mm -hmm. right? Because like how the world works is, in my opinion, is made to take you away from where you're supposed to go, right? There's distraction, there's sunny trinkets, there's nerves, there's, I don't know. There's many things meant to take you away from where, where you went to go. And the way you're meant to go just feels a lot more nerve wracking. Mm. 
So sometimes that's where you need to go. Like a friend of mine, like, he went to uni at like 23 or 24, something like that. That must have been a very nerve-wracking experience. Yeah. Then like, you've, you're six years behind everybody. But because you felt away about it, you're not comfortable by it, that's what you're actually supposed to do, mm. you know? That's such an interesting um, way to put it because when I think of how some other people might have um, spoken about like purpose, sometimes it can be easy. Like the things that are easy to do are kind of meant for you. Whereas what you're saying is like the things that feel the most challenging or give you that sense of like heartbeat, heart palpitations, that, that kind of, you're scared, but you're going to do it anyway. That also could be leading you towards somewhere. You think of when, when, when Martin Luther King started his march on Washington and all the people behind him, mm. he was like, yeah, this is easy. It's where I'm meant to go. Mm. I don't think so. When he started speaking up there, you think that passion comes from that initial, you know, <laughs> that's an element of nerves, right? Yeah. Not nerves. It's, there's a, like, this is, it's a bit scary. Yeah. That's like, it's it when things work is meant to flow, but does it mean it's it's easy on you? The door might be easy. Like everything I've been through and the way I am now, I haven't it hasn't been challenging. Yeah. Like literally one door closes and I s door just opens. Like I, <laughs> insanely. I couldn't mm -hmm. even I can't put my words on it. But that wasn't easy. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It it might have flew it flown a bit easy. But it wasn't easy. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Like that actual what I had to do mentally and stuff like that. So has there been one thing that's kind of shaped your mindset to what it is now? Mm, it's a combination of different things, man. Mm. How would you describe your mindset? Uh Kesara Sara. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, what is it? Is that what it is? Or it's like wherever we will, will be. Yeah. Like you quite look. I feel stressed sometimes. Yeah because of maybe the stress I put on myself, right? But maybe because of music, maybe, but I've always known that, listen, you focus on what you can control and then that's it. If you can't control it, don't stress it. You focus yeah. on what you can. And I think that outlook has just saved me. Like, I don't worry like normal people do about things. I get conscious that, hey, this ain't clicking, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't. I don't worry like normal people do. And I, I don't understand why people worry about stuff they can't control. Like, I, sorry, wrong, it's not I don't understand, I get it. So like people create scenarios in their head. And I think, because I found myself in that trap once, not too long ago, maybe like this time last year, just thinking, hey, this could happen, that can happen, that can happen. I just had to, no, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't really me. Yeah. I, I'm not the one to be worrying and stuff. So I use that energy and it's like, you know, my, my key word is over-preparation. Yeah. Like, the, the way to stop worrying is to over-prepare. Worrying is an element of your body saying, you're, you're waffling, you know, you're not, you're not ready. So what do you do to get ready? You just over-prepare. And then you, you let, if you believe in God, you let God do the rest or, you know what I mean? This is like another principle. Mate, we need to get this principles with Paul Telling on Tante, bro. 1,000 pound <laughs> gosh. <laughs> so um, I've got a couple of questions to wrap up, yeah. yeah. One of your best productivity hacks? Um, timer. Timer. Timer's good. Yeah, well, like Pomodoro. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is good. Mm -hmm. um, Focus. What herb can you not live without? Well, probably macaroon at this point. Or tonka. I take that pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what piece of advice have you always given to people and still rings true? Piece of advice, so uh, do what you do and do it well. Chase. That doesn't actually make any sense, <laughs> but let's, let's break it down. Yeah, You do what you do as in like, so a friend of mine will come to me, hey, like I'm having X, Y, Z issues at work. What can you do? Do what you do and then do it well. Mm-hmm. One book that shaped your outlook on something? One book. I think Think and Grow Rich, but I don't know if it's actually a good book or just the time that I read it. Yeah. What was, what was the time? Um, <laughs> after my last exam at uni, I literally went to the library the same day and started reading it. Oh, wow. Did someone just tell you to go read it? I just knew it. It felt weird. Everyone was celebrating after the last exam. For me, I just felt like it's real now. Yeah. Like I need to get prepared. 
Like, that's a true story. It was, it's probably pretty sad. Me deep it. Everyone's <laughs> celebrating. You went to prom, remember? Yeah. I didn't go prom. How did you go prom? I was reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you guys are doing suits and stuff? What yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. I was in the library. Damn. Yeah. Things I've given up for these kids and they don't want to subscribe to my YouTube channel. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, and then lastly, if there was one message you would leave to people, what would it be? One message I could leave to people is you have less time than you think you have and time flies. Cool. Where can people find you, follow you? If they can, or anything that they should be aware of. I'm on pretty much private on all platforms now, but if you type in D-U-N-G-U-B-O-O-K, that's me. Uh, awesome. Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me, sir.